Hi, this is Sam. And this is Veer. Welcome to the Tuesday Wine Club. A show where two dysfunctional friends speak to creative industry experts to find out what, how and why they do what they do. The podcast is an insight to all those late night wine drunk conversations between friends now made available to the public. Oh no. Because let's be honest, Tuesday is just not too early for a glass of wine. Hello. And welcome to our first ever episode of the Tuesday Wine Club. Sam is looking at me right now and she is awkward. Hi Sam, how was your week? I want to kick you because when you told me that you're going to record this again, I was not expecting Sam you is thought I was going to be gonna... awkward right now. I thought you were just going to start and be like a normal person. Okay, literally you have known me for like 8 years at this point. I am deeply not a normal person. Yeah, but I have faith, no? That's your personal problem. <laughs> What is your question? <laughs> Your faith in me is not my shit to deal with. Okay, one second. We can't start the first episode with people here listening to us fight. <laughs> okay, just Fair one second. Fair. I have to say this. I have to say this. For context, for new listeners, people who don't know us, don't know our dynamic. new listeners. It's our first episode. Every episode. No, episode, I said every... no. One second. I'm going to say why new listeners because people who have not ever heard us have a conversation out loud. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Veer and I yell at each other. We fight with each other, and it's very normal. So please, nobody get worried about our friendship. We basically went from like hardly friends to like bickering married couple within three oh, seconds. Oh yeah, Veer and I are basically married. Like this is this is a this is a very established fact in our lives. The last time Sam was in Delhi, we literally walked around home center, looking for glasses. like. Picking out wine glasses for our imaginary future home because we're just gonna die alone. I mean, to be to the point where we were like, "Oh, I don't like the silver trim. Maybe let's look for one with the gold trim." With no intention to actually make a purchase, but like it has to look good on the shelf, right? Oh dear God! <laughs> okay, wait. Back to your question. How was your week? How was your week? So it's been a weird week for me because. and i was talking to a friend about this just now hi amy if you're listening um i was just telling her how this week i have literally just stopped giving a shit about what people will think of the content i'm putting up so i've had a bit of a like a revelation almost i've also ordered a book Come on amazon called growth. fuck be humble so that is great <laughs> also can you tell that it is Twelve fifty a.m. Well, little drunk. This we've been putting off recording this intro for a very very long time. Also, it is way past Sam's bedtime. Oh yeah, Sam sleeps past. at like ten p.m. Yeah, eleven eleven on a bad day. What are you complaining day. about? I am nocturnal. <laughs> anyway, okay, no, Kitty, you're talking about your week. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was it. That was the okay, cool. Of my week. Speaking of random Instagram accounts we found, have you seen this account called National Jiju, which is basically just a Nick Jonas fan account but with Bollywood edits? Because Stop. I'm effing obsessed. No, I haven't seen this. Please send it's it to me so that we can put it on our National show's Instagram. Every, anyone who's listening to this, please check out National Jiju. I can't believe that's a thing. Like that's like a that's like a. I I, I can't I believe words. I'm mentioning this in our first episode. <laughs> That's what came to my head right now. But how was your week, Veer? My week was okay. It was um slightly better than most weeks because well, we announced a podcast, so there's some like yes, dose of serotonin did. coming in from somewhere because Lord knows in this pandemic, all of us need at least a singular dose of serotonin. But speaking of launching the podcast. We have a very, very, very exciting guest lined up for our first ever episode. Take a shot every time I say first ever episode. Yes, that that's the okay. So this is your drinking game for this episode. Each episode, we're going to try and come up with a drinking game for you because we don't want to promote. One second, we don't want to promote alcoholism. Everybody, please drink responsibly. Do all of that. But I mean, let's have a little bit of fun because Tuesday is just not that early for a glass of wine. Our first guest is a force to be reckoned with and a revered name in the Indian fashion industry. 
she's earned that distinction through her ability to not only understand the pulse of her market but to approach her work by putting the experience of her customer first having debuted her label 43188 which is the coolest name according to me back in 2012 she quickly demonstrated her skill for combining sharp and detailed tailoring which i love with comfort which also i love Over the last 9 years her work has been covered in publications like Vogue and Verve in addition to dressing Deepika Padukone, Alia Bhatt, Sonakshi Sinha and many 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 others. Honestly she's on it. In an industry known for rapid changes and temporary trends, she's proven through her work, drive and most importantly her talent that she's a strong contender in today's market and she's here to stay. So please raise your glasses and join us as we welcome the icon herself and well honestly our first boss. Shweta Kapoor. Guys, that was very, very kind and uh, yeah, highly um, exaggerated. <laughs> What do you mean? In, in this economy, I don't think anyone's ever given me so many compliments <laughs> in like thirty seconds. Get used to it. That's what this entire yeah, podcast like, is. Also, why are you surprised? Like, it's all true. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay, Veer, I'm going to let you start. To start off, we want to know who Shweta was as a teenager. A uh, highly awkward, very very naive, and uh, had no idea who she was. And then I think it took a lot of, um, a lot of like, heartbreaks, being like looked down upon, not having any friends, and you know, to be where I am today. Okay, speaking of where you are today, tell us why fashion. I think it was one of those things where I just didn't know if I wanted to do anything else. Like I remember it was like in I think class ninth, where I just had this epiphany that this is what I want to do, and that was it. Like I never looked back. I never did anything else, even while I was like prepping for boards and everything. like all my friends were going crazy about like getting a 95 plus and like you know studying like super hard but i was pretty chill i was like you know like you just need like i think like a 40 or a 50% to get into any art school so i was like you know <laughs> i don't want to like study in my ass off i did study but not really like i was cuz i was pretty confident like this is what i want to do and like not change my but mind but was fashion always something that i mean was it always something that you were interested in or like did you surround yourself with fashion in any way or was it just a hey this could be really cool and i could be potentially be really good at this i don't know i mean i never did that whole like making clothes for my barbies <laughs> kind of vibe like i never was into that uh but my grandmom did have a textile shop which i kind of grew up in so maybe that kind of was my first foray into textiles and fabric and things like that um i always liked a certain way that you know clothes kind of make you feel because for me um clothes are kind of like a way to tell the outside world who you are right so it was quite cool for me to be like you know you can dress a certain way and become this person and the other day you can dress another way and become this another person so it for me that was what was fascinating it was never about like Oh, I want to be like a goth or a punk or like you know those kind of things, um, which a lot of people do associate. I think that's the first thing into fashion where they associate it with a certain sect or you know a certain group or ideas, and they want to dress like that because again it comes in the same way that they want to communicate a side of themselves to the world. And clothes is like the easiest ways, the easiest way to kind of do that. Yeah, you're right because. I think you know people kind of sometimes uh, forget that I mean yes fashion is also about like you know dressing and feeling good but you can also craft different personalities just with clothes yeah, yeah definitely you would like 15 of them at all times <laughs> me waking up every morning like no, 100%. who am I going to be today am I an absolute mess which one of, which one of the 15 are we going to see yeah am I going to be reckless am I going to be absolutely yeah. crazy yeah No, but even in that, right? Like you'll always have this sort of sort of an handwriting to your clothing, you know, the way you kind of like fold yeah. your sleeves, for example. Do you tuck in your shirt, or do you always keep it out? There's always a hint of you, 
whether you're like being a super posh person going in for like a job interview or you're just going out for a drink with friends but there'll always be certain like just simple thing of like how you do your hair or makeup mm. or anything so i think that's what's really fascinating about like fashion okay so correct me if i'm wrong but you started 43188 at the age of 23 right oh i think so yes like so that's ages right back. after <laughs> that's right after college So I mean yes right not really I mean um I did work with someone for a a bit after college but um I was also working throughout uni right so every summer yeah. I was doing something or the other and uh, the job situation in London was pretty tough like I'm I'm sure it's still tough and uh, they wanted I can vouch for that it is right and really in is. fact I was working with this company in New York and I met someone who was working with Oscar and she was interning there for like 3 years and unpaid internship and I was just like what's going on right like Stop. why are you doing this and she was like but legally legally how could they hire some no they're not even hired so she's an unpaid person in their office for 3 years yeah because they have this um thing that you know they only hire within the company so she was basically waiting for someone hmm. to leave so she got could it. be hired but it's 3 years a long time it's a lot of money yeah. new york's not very cheap to live in um but i was in that zone so you know like i was like i've done my fair bits of internships i've got a lot of work experience and if i still have to work for free i might as well work for myself so it was just one of those things so I kind of lost patience. So tell us about the start of four three one eight eight. How I mean, walk us through that journey, from wanting to sort of, or rather, deciding to start a label of your own to it actually. I mean, when was the moment you sort of realized that oh, I've actually done it. I've actually started a label, or I've started a company, and all of and everything that sort of comes with that. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty reckless. Like I was twenty three. I had no idea what I was getting into. um i just applied to ftci with some collection they obviously liked it they were like oh you're part of fashion week now and i was like uh okay like i had no idea what that meant um i didn't even know what chalans were like you know what why did why was it so important to take attendance and like really s- small stuff like that so i mean i went went to fashion week people liked it cuz you know that time no one was really doing contemporary clothing and they were like oh this is cool i guess i was just lucky if i had done the same thing now i would have just been laughed out at and be like they would be like you know just get out but um it's just that the market's matured way more so you know there's just way more competition people actually know what they're doing it's not like people didn't know what they were doing then but it was really immature as an industry because you were like still like feel like it was really young for contemporary fashion so mm-hmm. um it just happened and i think like season after season we did like two three shows and then they were like you know i mean people started at least like looking at me with some thing that okay you know she is a designer or whatever but it took it took a while for me to kind of really understand that i'm a designer like because for me a fashion designer is someone who's like super important and you know like like a fashion designer i i could never see myself the same way so it's only like when the articles started coming out and little media you get here and there and all that and you have some some sort of like popular friends and you're like oh like you know i've done something right what shweta's forgetting to mention is that she's become a taste maker she by being Not one really. of, by being one of the first people to start luxury sports or start contemporary clothing i do, i do feel like you were maybe at the right place at the right time and had the right opportunity to sort Definitely. of create that 100%. blueprint for what indian fashion would then develop into i mean i think you're definitely a frame of that 100% i would say that i got really lucky like that's why i say like if i did the same thing now i don't think i would have had that success okay so speaking about your work so how m- let's kind of get into what like really what you do so how much of your day is sort of sort of dedicated to business and then how much of it is ba- is kind of taken up by creation um so basically today for example my entire plan was to finish my range plan no matter what mm-hmm. but i was in a business development meeting from 9:30 till 2:30 
and then I went straight into wow. production planning and then straight into um, some media work. And then at 5.30, I was like, oh, crap, I still haven't started my range plan. So maybe I think I, I spent 30, 40 minutes on it. So I think when you when you become an entrepreneur, you become a sort of a head of a company. It's a lot of like back end work which you have to do, right? So sure. the, the key is to kind of get people, the right people to do to do hmm. things. And then your main job kind of becomes to manage those people. And, you know, just make sure that they are taken care of and their work is easy. Yeah, I think what they say about, you know, a good boss knows when to delegate. I think that's I so think important. I think you should always delegate. I was very against it, but I feel yeah. like you should always delegate and you should always hire people who are better than you. Because you mm. don't want to do their they guide work, you. you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you want them to tell you, okay, fine, this is what we should do. And then you tweak it. You think, you see, does sure. it work for you? Does it not work for you? Does it fit into your brand aesthetic? Will your customer buy it? So on and so forth. And uh, then you just manage the show from there. But in terms of creativity, I would say maybe like two to three months in a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, but okay. this is this is like pure designing, right? There's yeah. creativity in everything. So you you can be... I mean, you have to manage your shoots, you have to manage your campaigns, you have to manage, like, even if something is working commercially, how can you tweak it to, you know, kind of get more out of it? So what other colors can you do it in, other fabrics? So even though it kind of seems like a lot of, like, business work, it's not really, it's just more creative. I mean, to be to be honest, this is also why we started this podcast, to show people that there are sides to creativity besides just designing or the actual or making or construction of the garment exactly. yeah yeah exactly because how many times will you make the same shirt right and how many people can sell the same white shirt it's it's just like it's jaded now i don't even think a lot of people want to spend money on fashion to be honest okay so you've kind of actually led us into the next question very 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 well love that for us um Walk us through how you conceptualize a collection. So the reason we're asking this is because back in 2015, when we were interning for you at Fashion Week, um, I remember you had made a whole print based off of an injury that you had. Yeah, I think that was my lucky season because I actually had something to talk about. Um, But these days, I think it just kind of depends on your on where you are and like, you know, your frame of mind. So of course, like with lockdown, everyone's really into comfort clothing or they're really mm. into things which feels like them. You know, it's not something which is very trend based and they're actually owning their style more. So if you notice, all the collections are so much more personalized. Yeah. There's so much more about comfort. It's so much more about uh, owning who you are. And uh, it's and everything is personalized in this. I'm not even like, talking about clothes like even your bags everything's monogrammed you know like it's jewelry people want to wear their sun signs for example it just makes them feel like there's a little bit more of them in in their clothes exactly or in whatever i think they just want to communicate themselves more to be like hey you know this is who i am and uh, because mm-hmm. we spend so much time with ourselves right during lockdown i do want to talk about that that stay in print though i i'd really mm. like you to just walk us through the story of how that print and that entire collection came about because it was the highlight of my life for that entire month in 2015. Well, it did make me a lot of money, not going to lie. So I had a really bad accident and it was like a shit show. But again, Fashion Week was around the corner. I had this friend who was consulting with me. And then um, she, in fact, she was the one who was like, you know, I think this is a great idea. We should do this. And I was just like, you're crazy. We're not doing this. It's stupid. And we did it as a joke, right? Because we were like, oh, let's take a picture of my leg and like this splatter paint and let's kind of um, make a print out of it because we were just kind of bored. I think it it must be 25 or something. And then um, we... One second. What are we doing at 25? (laughs) You guys are making a great podcast, guys. Listen, I turn my trauma into art on a consistent basis. What do you think? (laughs) So see, whatever pays the bills. Yes. Um, 
so yeah like and we we saw the print we were like oh it's fun ha ha gave it to the fabric printer he printed it we were like fine not too bad and the the i mean sounds gross but the blood splatter did kind of look like a cooler version of polka dots so we were like you know let's try this and uh, it was a success the splatter sari went on to be featured in made in yeah. heaven um and that i mean it looked amazing in it so and we st- we still get orders on it like till date yeah no i remember when i saw that and i was just like i can recognize that sari anywhere at this point and it was a surprise right for me also like i had no idea i was going to be in the show yeah my my pr had just done this behind my back and she was like yeah yeah like something this new show is coming and i was just like okay whatever like you know didn't really care and then these like trailer started coming in and i was like that looks really familiar is that mine she's like yeah it's like okay and i was ready to fight i was like you know someone's copied us sorry she was actually like, sidebar i love your pr speaking about the sari i mean i've noticed um how does it kind of fit into your brand because i've seen you've done different versions of it i've literally coveted so many there's a there's a pink one that you would want to someone's wedding and i remember i took a screenshot my cousin was getting married at the time and i told my mom i was like yeah. this, this is what i'm going to wear <laughs> no so when we started it was basically um you know like we said it was like luxury sportswear and I had mm-hmm. a very strict idea about who this woman was and uh, i was very um, obsessed about the idea of dressing her in her day daytime wear or whatever but then as i thought more and more like you know i had a friend's wedding to go for and i was like you know i, I don't want to wear like my mom's sarees and i don't sure. want to wear these like first they make you look really old they're like very bulky they're not sexy at all i hate those you know those just stiff fabrics and um so then i started thinking about okay fine like what does this woman wear when she has to go out or has to go out for an indian thing So mm-hmm. we I mean I draped the sari on myself and I was like well, I mean worst case I would just make it for myself right worst case scenario it was like a sample piece and I wore it for that wedding and it was a huge wedding it was thousand people seeing it sounds ridiculous now yeah I can't um I can't right it was I don't know how many people were there I don't know and how we I got a lot of queries in that It was mad. I mean, I like, don't know how. Like looking back now, it. I'm like, how did we go to these incredibly public events? I don't know. I'm actually dying to go to as much like as wedding. Like I get it. Like I want to be around people, but the the wedding that that actually happened for that cousin of mine, there were fifty people. That's it. Hmm. I think some twenty five, twenty five from each side. Everybody knew everybody on the other side. There were no surprise yeah. guests, and like we actually had a good time. because it was just mm-hmm. us there was no like oh so and so's chacha is here or this is yeah, yeah, yeah. parosh ka neighbor ka auntie or something none of that it was just us very chill i mean i'm sure they'll have a reception later in the year or something but i think it was intimate enough for a wedding wedding you can have a reception to later. have fun yeah yeah but yeah no, so i don't know i'm still you off on the about the sari yes um So yeah, like the sarees, but still, like I mean, though I got a lot of queries there, I don't think we got a lot of buyers. And when we used to go for these pop-ups and everything, like we had to convince a lot of people to buy it. And I think we used to sell it at like some ten grand a piece or whatever. And people did buy it, like, but they had to be really convinced about it. And they had, to, I mean, they were primarily very young who could like kind of be a little experimental and so on and so forth. And then we were at Lakme Fashion Week, and a buyer from Onsom picked it up, paired it with something else, and then it just—I don't know what happened. He's like, "Let's try it," and they tried it. It just started selling every day, which was, you know, great. And I don't think there's—we've ever looked back. Like I think we sold three hundred pieces the first season oh, or wow. something like that, which was ridiculous. So yeah, like it was—it was quite cool. Um, and then it became a signature piece it became our bread and butter for a very long time so uh and they were like you know they were fun they were young they were sexy and it was just like a cooler way of wearing the sari yeah absolutely okay, yeah because so i mean as uh, sorry but just, i have to say this because as someone who does not who does not see like see herself in a sari just because of like what you said it's stiff it's bulky it doesn't yeah. fall as well as you'd like it to something like that that kind of you know that drapes around you rather than you know being 
I'm not wording this right, but rather than being structured and it's playful, yeah. it's young, it's not. I mean, heritage has its own space, but to kind of dress your own age and feel good in it, I think I feel is so True. important. No, but you, what you said is right, right? Like heritage has its own space, and I don't think I was personally right for that because that's not my strength. So I don't want to get into a space where I don't completely know the in and outs of, mm. and. You know, so I don't want to disrespect that to be like, oh, I'll just do it because it's the thing to do. Yeah. So I wanted to do something which was which felt more me, and it resonated with a few other people as well. Okay, so I'm kind of obsessed with how you keep leading us into our next question. It's yes, like I'm, <laughs> you're making this job so easy. Um, okay, so you spoke about how you made the sari for sort of the four three one eight eight girl. Can mm-hmm. you describe her for us in three words or three short phrases? Um, the first one is fast free. She's on the go, and uh, she's a lady who chills and not a lady who lunches. Love that. I love that. I love. <laughs> can we put that as like our title or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And how far is that girl from you? She's me, right? I mean, earlier I used to be when I came back from. London I was like you know I'm going to be in my leggings and a blazer and wear a sports bra and like walk around and then when I reached and I was like like you know no bro you can't do that like <laughs> people like stared at you and like the the idea of wearing leggings at that time um just out in the open during a workout was just like ridiculous yeah. um and now it's luckily it's like the way to be so I'm very very happy about that but also you kind of grow up now i'm doing like this version of uh, cool my version of salwar kameez i would say so i'm quite excited about those and i think that's going to be the next like our sari it's called being a taste maker <laughs> hopefully it is successful okay so since we're talking about sort of coming a full circle with when you came back versus now what i'm telling you, you leads us into I the know, next question i know i know it's making it so easy <laughs> So okay, what do you think you know now about starting a brand or running a brand that you didn't mm. know then? Like, what are like maybe a few key things that you kind of learned? I think everything, to be honest. If I knew this then, I would have never started this. Yeah, <laughs> I would have just. Been, and I tell this to everyone that if you can, please take up a job because you'll have a way more balanced life. To be honest, mm. um, but the key thing would be you really need to. Do, have time management to its a game you you can't just be like okay i won't do this i'll do this later it doesn't work like that um mm. you have to be really good with money which i still struggle with i mean we all do but you right? have you know you have to have very clear budgets and stick to those budgets and um and yeah like i said earlier just hire people who are better than you like you don't have to be insecure about being like the worst in the room i do have like a fun anecdote about about this though um because sam and i interned for you in march 2015 and then sam went to, also, to the uk also i was i was thinking about this it's been that long yeah yeah 6 years Ages. i remember i remember dropping a glass table on myself and i was so <laughs> anxious because my first job i was lifting a table and walking from your car you were lifting the glass like, yeah. the, the was, no, glass top no it was just the table not even the glass top and i think the, ta- the glass came loose from the table and i'm standing oh there by myself by the way none of you were around i, I was right there but okay even off he had driven off i don't remember you being there honestly i mean maybe you were but my driver was hate so fashion week i was so anxious because first of all glass all over me second first job i have Damn. broken someone's house table <laughs> and you and you i've done way worse things i saw your mom time. and your mom was like are you okay i'm like yeah i'm fine but your table she's like no it's fine are you okay? i'm like yeah i'm sorry but yeah this is so okay. we interned for you in march 2015 and then sam went to the uk and i interned again for you in october the same mm-hmm. year And I just remember from the first fashion week to the second, there was already sort of a leap right between between those two because I walked into the stall ready to just know what to do. Um, yeah. I, carry, I carried a ruler with me because I had an <laughs> obsession with like making sure the garments were placed three inches away from each other. And I used to use rulers I to know, measure them. I know it was them. my best best uh, <laughs> stall ever at any fashion week. Um, and I remember you had had tables installed on the like to the walls of the stall, 
and mm-hmm. there was just a lot more prep there was a little sign and i remember your mom coming up to me like and just being like you see how much better prepared we are than we were last time <laughs> i i honestly think that we were like way worse than last time but uh, i don't know maybe to the outside world it looks like we were better prepared <laughs> because i feel like the more you know the you think the worse you are yeah you know when you don't know anything about something and you just know a little bit you'll be like oh i know everything right because you're on that I think it's called Mount of Stupidity or something like that. Mm. Um, I'll send you guys this link. It's pretty interesting. But the and when you know a lot, you actually realize you actually don't know anything because yeah. you're yeah. right. And then you come down and you make a lot of mistakes and things like that. And then you're like, then something starts working, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm good at this. And then you keep doing the same thing again and again, yeah. and you figure your voice. in your own handwriting within that speciality or whatever and that's when you feel like okay that's when you do something which is spectacular but it takes a while to get to that stage mm-hmm. i feel a lot of us kind of quit way before and i think that's also like such a part of sort of what being a creative person within any sort of industry or any form of creativity really is that yeah. you sort of go into it very bravely and very blindly and then as mm-hmm. and when you start learning you're just like oh crap <laughs> yeah exactly and the next thing you know you're just having an existential crisis but you're doing your <laughs> best <laughs> okay so next question is what makes a brand a luxury brand for you what are some mm-hmm. key values if any that you look for that you look for in brands that you buy from mm i'm a shopaholic so i think that's the worst like <laughs> question to ask i i mean if i like something i just pick it up it needs to be um comfortable i guess the first thing i would say um but if it's like something like a bag or a shoe or anything it just needs to be designed more so i'm happy with like a really classic shape but with a twist so sure. you know or like i mean just in terms of food i would love like a great peanut butter but with something added to it so i like these like add-ons and i mean whenever i try designing i try adding those things as just well just like details so, that other people wouldn't have thought of yeah yeah i mean like because you know people like to wear things they're comfortable with to look at yeah if it's really like abstract it mm. it just doesn't i mean you have people who love it but i don't think i'm one of those there needs to be like a certain wearability to anything you buy like i think veer and i speak about this all the time especially when it comes yeah. to couture like we we always have this argument where especially yeah. oh no not couture sorry red carpet fashion i look for something that's wearable he looks for red carpet moments i mean red carpet moments are amazing also right to look at i mean that's what gives it that little thing but if you but if you see it like you be like will i wear it maybe exactly. not exactly Exactly. But yes, if I have a team who's doing my hair makeup like that, yeah. and you know, a team of nutritionists and trainers, <laughs> then sure, great. Why? I mean, why not? I would love to like dress like a Bella and like walk around. I mean, I'm also notoriously jaded when it comes to red carpets because I think everyone just dresses like that. Have you seen V's like <laughs> reviews on his Instagram when it comes to red carpet? No, I should check those out. He yeah, doesn't have a highlight. I, I keep I'll, telling. I'll make him. one. I'll make one. I'll make one for you. Shweta, it is brutal. I mean, there are times when I'm laughing because I can hear him saying what he's typed out. But there are times when. Well, who was the worst one? So say Grammys. Grammys worst. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Like, when we say worst, do we mm-hmm. mean so bad it's it's kind of good, or so bad it's just the, it's just awful. Like, say when I when I say red carpet, if it's so bad. it means is actually good cuz you're actually making a statement right but for me sure. bad red carpet is like very safe like what are you wearing like why are you even trying like lizzo at the grammys was honestly awful for me because she mm-hmm. looked she just she looked like she was going to an 80s prom and it wasn't fun um let me google this while you talk <laughs> harry styles i just did not vibe with this which is very surprising um but why everyone was going gaga over his gucci No wait. I the have, Gucci I have he wore when he was Shut performing. Shut up, Veer. I have to say the line. I have to say the line. So when it comes to Gucci suits, okay. So Veer is mm-hmm. putting up these pictures of you know men in Gucci suits, and he says, you know, um, oh God, we have to say this right. Something about, you know, I feel like I should I should join an improv class when I look at these suits so that I can just look at the suit and go yes and. 
what else is there to it and i'm just oh my god so glad these people aren't seeing this must be like, so horrible after so bad but who else did gucci there's one more person right um bruno mars and anderson park did gucci everyone yeah. did gucci everyone does gucci uh the so bad it was so it was kind of good for me was prada was the haim sisters in prada because they yeah. were they were wearing custom prada but it just looked so atrocious and prada is i guess meant to look slightly ugly right but yeah but it I mean, looked that's the aesthetic so gross and i know that such prada fan girls that they must have been so excited that they were wearing custom <laughs> prada without any um concern for how bad they actually looked and that's what i sort of love about fashion at the same time yeah i just google it it's quite actually quite terrible <laughs> also if i see dua lipa in another like sheer versace dress i will impale myself on a cactus she looked pretty hot though while performing i mean that's cuz she is yeah she's going to look good in anything you put her in but does it have to be the same template sheer versace dress yeah I think she just found a comfort zone. Okay. No, I'm just <laughs> I've just recently discovered her music so I'm like slowly I'm getting obsessed but that's beside the point. <laughs> okay, so just moving on to our next segment now. Um mm-hmm. so last year I was reading a few um articles in Vogue about actually at the time I was also working for Vogue so that's also why I found it. Um why I found it. I can't speak today. I'm so sorry guys. Mm-hmm. Um so I've seen your contemporaries talking about um you know how the pandemic affected fashion in india so, but we wanted to hear your take on it i mean of course fa- the pandemic affected fashion but um i'm very happy it did because it kind of got people out of that bubble because a lot yeah. of people in fashion think like we are the shit but it's a bubble right i'm yeah. like in the real world no one cares no one really cares about where fashion week is if lakme is joining hands with fdci only people part of the industry are like oh my god nah, nah, nah. and i'm just like guys i mean people yeah, are dying out here, right? <laughs> um and end of the day we're just making clothes yeah we're not we're not saving lives or anything yes there's some people who are extremely talented who will you know use fashion as an art say something it's beautiful i've i've mm. been to shows where i've almost cried and yeah you know been really touched about it but it's a very small number i don't think i don't know why everyone takes themselves so seriously so when the pandemic hit it made people realize that they don't need so many clothes they don't need to go out all the time they don't need to spend ridiculous amounts of money on something and it's important to spend money on the right things mm-hmm. it's also important to by separates or like you know things that you can wear again and again with different outfits and make use of that right because we all were like Staples. spring cleaning at some point you know and we took out a lot of i mean i took out a lot of clothes which still had tags on them yeah um we were just buying left right and center it was like just too much so where do you actually stop and um i think people were just going like oh what will we do what will we do and i'm just like what about your team you know i your tailors okay i your mm. um your cardigan is fine are you you know like paying their salaries yeah. and fine i get it a lot of companies can maybe not afford it if they're like a small company it's very hand to mouth but as a larger organization you can't just be like oh we're not going to pay our people it it doesn't work like that yeah i think that that's actually what was very concerning to me when we were really in the heart of the lockdown is mm-hmm. what happens i mean i was m- maybe just thinking about fashion on this one particular day but i was thinking about what happens to the back end of fashion the the back end which i could also maybe refer to as the backbone of yeah. the people who actually make the clothes the people who sort of run the brand on a day to day basis and how their lives are sort of disproportionately affected especially within smaller setups that may not have the infrastructure to 100% i mean i found it very crass that people were using like who made my clothes and all that bullshit yeah. that was going on a mm. year before and then when you actually had to kind of support them they were just like oh our orders are cancelled i yeah. said 
sure but uh, you, you know you still have a responsibility as a business owner you have a responsibility that's why you have to be better managed with your cash you don't spend more than you earn yeah you need to have savings and i fully get it if you're a small brand you've just started out i mean no no complaints there but for big brands and i know a lot of big brands just like locked shop and they were like yeah. oh sorry you know we're not paying you anymore because you know it's a lockdown i mean that's not their problem you have to take care of them you have to have that responsibility and stuff so um yes business was affected everyone had to do what they had to do yeah i'm everyone took their time to kind of figure out what they wanted to work on we did that so yeah but i think it was just a lot of bullshit where they used their tailors when they need to and you know just put this whole like charity drama sure. on the front face i think it's it's utter rubbish so either do it and when you do it don't talk about it it's it's again sure. highly yeah. stupid right like don't be like i remember some pr agency sending me a thing that oh like we have donated so much money can you put it on your story but like why like, do you need like no. a pat on your no, back no no one second one second one second <laughs> someone reached out to you and said oh i have done something for charity can you talk about it for us yes yeah and i was just like i'm not doing that like people are no shame only the, now the no baseline shame. level of human decency does not exist it's not it's just like about hey look i've done something good in life I'm, and i need and everyone to know about it yeah so i believe if you've done something don't talk about it just do it Okay, so you have partly answered this by talking about the South Alchemies, but mm-hmm. how are you planning on expanding your brand, and where do you see Four Three One Eight Eight in the next ten years? Uh, right now we are basically just focused on building our backend and our team to be the best it can be. Yeah, we've set really high targets for ourselves for the next year, so I don't think I'll be stepping out anytime soon. <laughs> or having a life anytime soon but um the i want to be at a place where the brand is functioning very very smoothly yeah mm-hmm. um one person is not doing five things they're doing what they're supposed to do so getting the right team in place making sure that everyone's taken care of yeah. um and you know in- increasing our sale numbers our reach getting more people to know about the brand so that's where our focus is of course like expanding digitally mm-hmm. yeah but i think that all comes in the same sort of a under the same umbrella so let's come to let's come to these goals so say mm-hmm. in 2031 mm-hmm. how do you think 4318 is going to fit into both the indian and global sort of fashion landscape i mean i wouldn't look at Honestly, by twenty thirty one, I don't think there'll be anything which will be. That's Indian what I mean because we just can't predict. It's going to be one thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you can be sitting anywhere doing whatever because it's mm-hmm. just everything's on the internet. Yeah, I think and our mediums that, are going to sort of align yeah. more into digital than physical. Hundred percent. Like you can't expect someone sitting in Kanpur and someone sitting in New York being two different people because they're exposed yeah. to the same stuff. Sure. So just because they're not. part of a big city you can't think that oh they don't know anything mm. they probably know much more because yeah. you know like that's the wonder um exactly so no not only the wonder but maybe maybe that that curiosity is a lot more because because they don't see it around themselves exactly yeah. right so there's so much so i feel like it's just going to be one huge world um in terms of where 4318 will be um hopefully in everyone's wardrobe <laughs> and um in your house as well because you know we do want it because i always wanted to have it have it like a lifestyle brand and you know mm. make it something that you can smell touch eat everything so uh, let's uh, let's i don't know where it's how long that's going to take and where that's um which direction is going to take i don't know but just that bracket the open plan. make menswear bracket closed at some <laughs> point <laughs> please get me a menswear design i have designer. been asking you for 6 years you're looking at someone who might be able to just hint at designs but not be i actually i don't know can you design me can you design me i can, I can hire you to illustrate <laughs> very well but that's it okay. you can tell him what to design yeah 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 if you Lager can do my patterns <laughs> If you can do my patterns, if you can do my fabrics, then like yeah. 
So I'll find someone else for you. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring it to the fun stuff now. So yeah. I keep harping on and on about capsule wardrobes, but I mm-hmm. know even if someone's a shopaholic, not a shopaholic, whatever, everyone yeah. has staples in their closet. So what mm-hmm. are five staple items that never leave your wardrobe, irrespective, season, what are five things you can't live without? Um, A white shirt. Love then. It. I have a black lungi skirt which I wear like 100,000 times everywhere. Yeah. And wherever I go. Um a black sari. Then a good trench coat mm. is always key. And my Lululemon leggings. <laughs> nice. Are you are you talking about the aligned ones or the the other ones that I can't remember the name of now? I don't know. I just wear this. I just call them by color. Nice. <laughs> okay, if you could dress anyone in the world in 4318 mm-hmm. who would it be it's mm. a good question i actually haven't thought about it give me anyone i don't know <laughs> no you have to give us an answer <laughs> um okay since she's in the news the queen love that ooh can you imagine love stepping that. on one of the saris yeah it'd be cool right yeah <laughs> with a little handbag <laughs> Okay so since i mean speaking of sarees what comes to your mind when okay i'm going to give you a few words and just tell me what pops into your head straight away so mm-hmm. sari sexy future aesthetic okay and design uh underrated nice okay cool now as our closer for this episode no, we have wait, one no wait one qu- second We forgot one of the most important questions to ask, Veer. Which is what? What is your favorite wine or drink of choice? Oh my god! <laughs> um, as if now it's going to be like we were supposed to start with this. Sorry, <laughs> could you say your answer again? <laughs> gin and tonic. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we figured out one final question that we're going to ask everyone who comes on this podcast, which is mm-hmm. if if you had to pick someone to play you in a movie. Alive mm-hmm. or dead, this person doesn't need to bear resemblance to you. You need to have nothing in common with this person if you don't want Just to. Just dream casting. Yeah, yeah, dream casting. Who would play you in a in a movie about your life? Let me think. Okay. Actually, someone really cool, obviously. So we have our answers prepared to like uh-huh. just influence give you food yours. for thought. Yeah, tell me. You want to go first? We no, it's fine. I mean, I don't mind. We do. Do you want to go first? So mine is either Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. Or Troy Sivan, but like Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. I feel would really get my like jaded, yeah, jaded part of my life. Also, she's too, ha- she's too happy. Also, Kristen Stewart, yeah, do you think so? No, no, that's just the movie that happiness is just the movie. I think. Yeah, no, I don't no. know. Like, she's a very cynical person. So, like, too <laughs> happy. Oh my! I I keep telling Veer. I think I would like. I would imagine. Not Dan Levy, but David Rose as Veer from Shits Creek. A uh, Shits Creek. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I feel very seen yeah. by him as a character. <laughs> like fully love him. Like he's a great vibe. I think mine would be Anne Hathaway, but purely because of Devil Wears Prada. Like literally, no other reason. Maybe, but I, mean, I, I don't know. Say, I would just yeah. want my, I would want my character to be like Moira. You know, like from Shits yes! Creek. Yes, love that. I can see yeah, her. Just be so her. underrated. And be like, yeah, like she's amazing, and just be like a little like she's bratty and like still gets her way through. I love that. I, I can like just Moira. imagine. I that think that's a very like out of left field answer, and I love it. <laughs> I can imagine me as David, like just going ape shit in Shweta's <laughs> office, and her being like, "Why are you being a disgruntled little pelican?" It's a great show, though. I don't But you know, know what? It really, my, so really is. I I came across this thing on Instagram the other day, like Moira's like best insults or whatever. And my favorite one, and hmm. I kind of want someone to say this to me just to see his reaction. I mean, not mean it, but just say it. Just yeah. She, so I think that some I friend of her sends shut up. <laughs> one friend of her sends her some beauty package, and she's like, "Oh, you know, we were always really close. We had our moments." And David's like, "Oh, it's an alleyvoo thing or whatever." And she's just like, <laughs> "That frigid whore." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I you know, so but funny. I also really like. Um, so you've seen, uh, so you've seen Empire, right? Yeah, I've I seen like yes. three seasons. Okay, so you know that that uh, what's the daughter's name? Daughter. Wait, is it Empire? No, wait, I'll tell you. I know Cookie. 
That's yeah, cookie and empire. So cookie, though I love. Yeah. Sorry, not empire. So that one, one was cookie. Cookie, I love, and there's fully be like me in a show. Um, what's that show called, man? Really Dynasty. Annoying. Yeah. So the daughter in that basically is hiring some intern or assistant or whatever, right? And one of the interview questions was like, um, "So would you like all my Insta posts the moment I post it?" <laughs> and I was like, "This is me." <laughs> No, I love that. I remember when I still um, love the fact that you want to point out roast to play. I feel I feel like I want to put that into this podcast <laughs> more than anything. I remember when She's one bad. time I was posting something on social media for four three one eight eight at one of the right. fashion weeks, and then you just looked at me with a stone cold face and said, "But have you liked it from your own profile?" <laughs> and I'm just no. Like, once yes, I remember when I started right like. With- when I split the two Insta accounts and I had mine as a personal one and 431 as an official one, um, I used to just like like obviously everything that 431 was putting. And someone was just like, how can you like your own post? And I was like, oh, I other people do don't it. know yeah. that, right? Shamelessly. I'm so shameless with it now. I'm like, someone has to like it, might as well be me. I'm very shameless. I'm just like, like away. And sometimes from my 431, I like my own post, you know? Yeah, yeah, when we uh, set yeah. up the Tuesday Wine Club Instagram, <laughs> the first thing we did is like followed all of our own respective pages. Yeah. And then I wake up one morning and I see Sam from the Tuesday Wine Club Instagram has spammed my profile with likes. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, is the, this is the relationship I have signed up for. <laughs> but it's fine. Whatever like Sam just said, it's called engagement. Yeah. yeah. Cross-pollination. <laughs> Across <laughs> everything you do. I'm trying to find like one more buzz sentence for social media. Content is key. Content mm. is key. That's my last like, buzz social media sentence. Oh god. It's but, crazy. Yeah. Oh god, my face hurts from laughing. <laughs> I think we pretty much got everything. But thank you so much for doing this. This is our first episode and I think we were both very keen when we started ide- ideating this whole thing and we should get Shweta on to this. <laughs> We're just going to speak to no, her. No, this us, is fun. Yeah. You guys should definitely do more of these and uh, wish you guys all the best. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into our first ever episode of the Tuesday Wine Club. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did while recording it. You can find Shweta because honestly, lol, we forgot to ask her where we can find her on Instagram at Shweta Kapoor and at 431 underscore 88. Also, remember to follow us at the Tuesday Wine Club on Instagram for behind the scenes content, episode previews and a sneak peek into our guest list for this season. You can also find Sam and my social handles on the same account, come stalk our profiles. We love the extra engagement and see you next week for the next episode of the Tuesday Wine Club.